This episode of the Eclectic Gamers podcast is brought to you by a new power rising in the east, the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. Oh yes, my precious. The Roanoke Pinball Museum is an interactive museum dedicated to the science and history of pinball. Got em. Their mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. Yes! But you don't have any friends, so go to the museum every day except Monday. It has over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. It's a Roanoke Pinball Museum, and we want it! Rawr! Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, October 18th. This is episode 126. I am Tony. I'm Dennis. I think we're going to have a light episode, Tony. I, I think so. After the last couple ones, that's not a terrible deal breaker. No, and we've got, just, some, we've got some new stuff. There's, yeah, there's some new stuff. I, I freely admit that I've not been doing a lot of research between work stuff and then the whole family going down with a stomach bug for most of this week including myself i've just been kind of a a low energy creature since then so Mm -hmm. i actually slept the other day this is insane for people who actually know me i slept for 12 hours straight whoa that is uh too many hours yeah, considering my normal sleep is about seven hours, if that, I'm normally awake. Like, like that's like a lot of sleep, and I'm normally up by like between four and five in the morning. Yeah. Definitely been just not a great pair of weeks, really, around the old homestead. Mm, rough times. Well, I haven't been doing much. Uh, I, I got Star Wars Squadrons as a birthday present. So I, I played a few missions of that. I did too. I, I, I had it when we recorded. I know. Last, last time we talked, you had it, but you hadn't played it yet. Right. I've played it since then. I need to get, I think I would be happier if I had a joystick. I think I've got an old joystick in storage I need to look for, but with being sick and everything, it's just not happened. Mm-hmm. And all the joysticks I looked at buying are like, you know, 200 plus dollars so it's so so with a mouse yeah have you tried with a just a controller i haven't i need to dig my controller out and just try it with a controller yeah it plays weird it's less arcadey than i thought it would be yeah uh i enjoyed what i've played of it like i said but i've just been playing it with the mouse so i'm not sure where my i'm not sure where my controller is I do. I am sure. I, it's. I think it's in my laptop bag because I had it because I was playing Ace Combat on the laptop at one point. So, ah. so I've, I've done that, and I also I got the Dune series of books, which I've never read. Dune. I only am familiar with it from. I've the, read the, the entire films. series multiple times. So I am. I'm about. Oh, as of this morning, I think about 530 pages in on the first book. So I started reading it yesterday. That's not bad. No. It's a the the first book is my favorite. 
It's um, the big one. It is. Uh, it's the classic. I liked the first three books are all really solid, and there's nothing wrong with the other books. Uh, they're just a little different. It gets away, I, I think, from the. Yeah. That was common with sci fi authors back in the day, too. Asmov, for example, has found. I don't know if you ever read his Foundation. Oh, I read Foundation once. Okay. And so, one of the weird things for me with Foundation versus a lot of other books is most people who write books, they follow characters. And with, with Foundation, it was very much, well, we follow this universe, but your characters are changing because your books are going forward in time so much that, you know, if you get attached to characters, it, they're gone eventually because time dictates that they will be gone. So you're more like you're living in the world and you have to, whether or not you like the new characters just completely depends on the book. So, yeah. And there's, there's even some books that take place or more modern sci-fi books that do the same thing where they, uh, deal with a, um, like time frame, but you don't really get a lot of character jump between them. Uh, where each book is a standalone story in, 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 but it's all in a shared world. But the most you'll get of characters from one book to another is maybe a mention because they're well enough known to be mentioned or as like a cameo type thing. Mm, yes. Well, I think speaking of mentions, we can go ahead and jump into uh, pinball where I only have two things for us to mention. We'll only spend significant time on one of them. Uh, the first item, though, I wanted to bring up is the Virtual Pinball Expo, which had uh, uh, just essentially wrapped up. I did not watch this. I don't know if you watched it. it I didn't. Like too I sick had, to watch Yeah, it. between all of that and after seeing what a virtual conference was like that was work-related and much more targeted and focused and how rough that turned out, I wasn't going to even attempt a virtual hobby conference mm. because it just sounded like a train wreck waiting to happen. Yeah, I've heard mixed reactions. Most of the reactions I heard were not that they that it was okay, but they weren't like enamored with it. I, I have heard a few people enjoyed it. Uh, the only thing I have watched, and I did not watch it live, is I did catch the VOD of Final Round, which is a podcast. They did a workshop on discussing pinball podcasts, so... I have a link to that in the show notes, but now I know how to start a pinball podcast. So, well, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I'm always trying to learn. It, it, it's always good to know how to do something. It is. And speaking of learning, let's go to the other and real pinball topic that we have for this episode, which is we are the last ones to talk about Josie Jack Pinball's Guns and Roses. Yeah. What? What do you do? You think there's going to be a big secret announcement tomorrow to have three episodes in a row where something I hope happens so. the day after we come out? I, I really, so. I really hope so too. Just because it gives us something where it's like it's low, it's like a low bar for us to clear because we yeah. have all the other info to, to feed off of. <laughs> but so anyway, we've got we've got Guns and Roses. They they finally came out. Uh, Jersey Jack Pinball's been working on this for quite a while. It's been over a year since Wonka came out, and uh, just I guess some some real quick stuff. Uh, about the game. I think a lot of people are, who listen to us are into pinball are already familiar with it, but the design, uh, was both Eric Minier, who did Pirates of the Caribbean for Jersey Jack and Slash is considered a co-designer of the game from the band. Uh, rules and software was Keith Johnson. Uh, Ted Estes was a software engineer. They also had software support from Joe Katz, uh, JT Hartley, Bill Grump, and Duncan Brown. 
there are 3D sculpts in the game. They were done by Matt Resterer. Uh, digital assets were led by John Paul DeWin. Uh, art. They had a mix of artists who worked on this game. I think John Paul DeWin coordinated them, but there was also uh, Dane Henry Jr., who I think did the playfield art. And then there was Aaron Bouliller, Mark Molitor, and Jesper Abels, who I think did things with the cabinet and back, back glass. Uh, Vikas Dio did sound. He, I believe, was the one who did sound for Wonka. Uh, and uh, there are, of course, others involved on the team, but I think those are the main ones I would hit on. Uh, three models, as usual. Uh, standard edition price has dropped yet again. Remember, Wonka fell in price, but this is down even more. The MSRP for the standard edition is $6,750. Uh, limited edition is $9,500, and the collector's edition, which is all sold out, is $12,500. So LE and CE stayed at the same price as Wonka. So uh, just overall, uh, all the models have 21 uh, songs, studio master recordings. From, from Guns N' Roses. There is some original pinball music that was created and done just by Slash, not by the band. Uh, there is game narration that was done by a couple of the band members. Uh, I think all the band members provided voice recordings, though, in addition to the narration. So you have custom callouts from, from all of the band members. Uh, there is live footage and concert screen animations. Uh, those all come from the Not In This Lifetime World Tour. Uh, and it's got the 26, uh, excuse me, 27 inch back box display. There's a jukebox, uh, attract mode option. Uh, you can put the game into a family friendly mode or, uh, in the adult mode, there are, uh, explicit songs that are not playable <laughs> in the family friendly mode version of it. Um, there's a drumstick ramp, which uses, uh, Frank Ferrer, uh, Thunder Chucker Vader drumsticks <laughs> as, as the actual ramp itself. There are divertible ramps. There are two chrome catwalk uh, steel return ramps. There's an inner loop jump ramp. There's a direction-sensing spinning record platform toy that's in the kind of middle right of the playfield, uh, almost underneath a slash uh, sculpted hat. Uh, there's a screaming Ax Axel Rose figure. There's a concert speaker stack. Uh, there are guitar pick-shaped RGB-lit spinners, which I think are pretty cool-looking. There are 30 RGB uh, Guns N' Roses hexagon stage lights. Uh, there's a, there's three pops. There's a core playfield magnet. It's got the action button. Uh, it's got a sta seven inch stage display. It's got all sorts of LEDs, hundreds of LEDs. Uh, the biggest difference, uh, between the standard and then the LECE is the LECE is a four flipper game, whereas it's only three flippers on the standard. A lot less color controlled lighting and lighting in general on the standard edition. And the upper playfields are only on the higher end models. They do have a game physical difference with the CE versus the LE, which is there's a coma multiball, which is a physical ball lock on the CE version. So I think that's uh, there's a lot more in terms of specific breakouts, but it, obviously it's going to be really confusing just for me to rattle them off audibly. So uh, I do have three links in the show notes for people. I have a link to the This Week in Pinball Deep Dive. If you want to read about like all the stuff I just mentioned is listed in there and there's a bunch of photos uh, I also have a link to Straight Down the Middle's featurette video. So if you want to know more about kind of the creation of the game, I would look at that. And I also have a link to Buffalo Pinball's recording of their gameplay reveal. So if you want to see uh, several hours of hands-on footage of someone actually playing the game, that's what I would turn to for that. So I think that gives a pretty good assortment. So, Tony, what do you think about GNR? It looks good. I mean, it physically looks good. Those guitar pick spinners are an awesome touch. 
and everything about the game and the art looks amazing. The light show also looks amazing. As for everything else, it's a music pen. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, that is a great, that's a great summary. It seems to really have tried to encapsulate the stage show experience. I'd say more so than any music pen I've yeah. seen. It might be the best music pen. I, I, I'm definitely willing to say that is a very real possibility. Uh, the fact that they brought the, uh, standard edition price down even lower, I think was a great thing for them. I think it was a smart move. Um, if that'll change into being enough sales to make it worthwhile or to, I mean, let, let's be honest. Nobody at Stern cares that JJP put out another cheap game because they're like, oh no, they put out a game. Which one of the four games we're putting out this year should we be worried about? Because that's the truth of the matter. But I think for JJP, it gives a real option for people that aren't able to pull the trigger at the higher levels. Yeah, I, I, I'm of, I'm of mixed emotion on the, what they've done with the standard. But broadly speaking, I, I like the, I like it. I like the idea. I'm glad they're finally uh, continuing this push since the, that they started with Wonka to get something into uh, a price range that more people can actually obtain. I think they've made really big strides with that. I think it makes sense from an operator perspective, though we have to bear in mind that what operator perspective is there right now, really, uh, is, a, is a factor. Uh, the issue, though, is even with all that they've done, this has just gotten it below the Stern premium price. It's still not really competitive at all with the Stern Pro price. And there is so much stripped out on this SE. I wonder how many people outside of operators are really going to be comfortable giving up the upper play field, the guitar neck and bass guitar neck uh, ramp and ball lock feature. Uh, just there's You give up, a, you see a lot of the spectacle that you give up in the SE. Right. So... But now, where Stern would solve this problem uh, is that the aggressive nature of how their pro models tend to play, more brutal and faster, if we're to speak in general terms, that appeals to a lot of players, a lot of tournament folks really, really like that. For me, it remains to be seen that this is actually a proper competitive game. So I don't know if the SE can appeal to people like that. When I look at the SE photos at This Week in Pinball, and I look at the playfield layout, and the whole upper left is just like this flat plastic to help feed these loops and stuff. It just, it looks like there was just a lot of space that they didn't know what to do with when they took the upper play fields out and they just kind of put a plastic thing on it. That's a valid point. And, and that's not necessarily bad. I mean, it's like, well, what were you going to do back there anyway? I don't know. I'm just, all I'm saying is like when I look at this, as you noted about like best music, I don't know if it's going to be the best playing music, band, but it, in terms of that weld under glass, you know, everyone wants the weld under glass, that this looks like the most weldy under glass pen, uh, not just of a music pen, of any pen I can think of. Uh, but so much of that is on the LE and above, like the hi-hat and symbols on the pop bumpers, the hot rails, the lighting that they do on the sides. It's on the SE, but it's just white light. It's color changing on the, on the others. The 
upper play field and the fact the the guitar necks those guitar necks are gone on the SE. Uh, it just it looks so much more musical, so much more stage show uh, when you go to the LE model. That it's like if the if the reason to buy this isn't the gameplay, but rather the experience of being in the rock concert. I worry that for most people, you give up too much rock concert at the SE level. It's just it all of a sudden becomes a regular pen. Well, and I think that that's very valid, and I think gameplay will be the decider there. And I've not played it, obviously, so I have no idea. I do know from having watched videos of the gameplay, I'm not sure that that that, that it does it. Mm. And that's a that's an interesting one. This has been opinions on this are very mixed uh, that that I have seen, and I still have not played it. In fact, uh, someone had agreed with some of my comments that I made on the pinball show and shared them on Pinside, but shared them in a way that I think made people think that I just was giving these edicts without having played the game. And I was like, no, these are the concerns that I have. Just watching uh, Tony, you and I have played pinball for a long time. I I I don't mean this in a boastful way, but. At this point, if you give me significant video with a properly set up game and a decent player, I usually can tell whether or not I'm going to like how the game is. Right. I, I don't think it's a big mystery, especially geometry. This is not magic. So part of my issue with it is just that I am not someone, as a personal preference, who really tends to like games that are really heavy in multiball. And this game definitely is heavy in multiball. Now, I know some people who think that it works with how heavy its multiball is with how the rules are set up because you're trying to make your way through entire songs. But that still is, there's a lot of multiball. And for me, I prefer the risk of single ball play and multi. I always want there to be multiball, but it should be sparing to me. And when I watched Kevin's stream on Buffalo, I watched the first hour. I never saw a single game where he didn't get a multiball. A single one. I mean... Holy crap, I have bad games on Star Trek where I don't get Vengeance Multiball. Kevin's a better player than me, but still, I was just like, this is really multiball heavy. So, from a personal perspective, I'm not sure that that was really going to appeal much to me. I also, given how the geometry works and all the ball locking and stuff, I questioned, and I still question, whether or not this is really a good tournament game, or whether this more falls in the vein that well, it, I think it makes a good tournament game. Some people only like Total Nuclear Annihilation because they want to play it like in co-op. They want to play it with a group of people, and it's about that group experience. This game, to me, looks like it has group experience in spades. Right, and I, I definitely can see it. It feels like the kind of game, especially with playing through entire songs, that makes the very thought of being in tournament play on it um, scary. Mm. And you can you can brutal you can brutalize a game you can brutalize anything you can brutalize Lord of the Rings but the issue that comes up with like doing that and why I think we don't see people do that too much to Lord of the Rings is if you have to do a whole lot to a game to make it tournament viable have you made it so unfun to play that you should just have a different game entirely where you can still have a normal experience and it's just a short experience yeah Um, but I mean that's neither that's neither here nor there. Uh, obviously, the CEs, as I noted, have sold out. Uh, the game uh, is it's doing sales wise. It's doing great for JJP. I think for their company because it's so collector oriented, and 
even though I think they're making good strides on the SE model, they very much, in my view, are still like they're trying to carve out as much of the pie as they can in that upper stratosphere price point area. For them to make what I will call spectacle pens like this, where it's about the immersion and the visual experience, maybe more so than the gameplay and rules, that might be the smart answer for them as a company. Because it definitely is different than what Stern's doing. Yeah, and it will, like you said, it's going to sell pens. And this is a pen that has the looks that even just setting it in attract mode is going to look great in somebody's collection yeah and it's got enough toys and stuff going on that even turned off it's gonna look good when you look at it in the collection if i if i put it if i replace any one of my games that i currently own in my seven game lineup and put this in this is what would draw everyone's eye not anything else i own i mean what's my most visually spectacle game i've got i guess tna in attract mode yeah tna in attract mode would probably be it i mean i just I don't know. I'm not a huge music pen person to begin with. Yeah, I mean, like conceptually, the themes broadly don't really grab me. I, I really have had a lot of fun on ACDC. Like I could see owning ACDC um, as a pen. Right, but ACDC is a lot of fun to shoot, and it's a lot of fun to play that I think the same layout with a different theme would still be enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want ACDC because of because of the music. It's uh, well, I like ACDC just fine. Yeah, I'm not a. It's the same. Like I kind of like the layout for Aerosmith, but it's not the music that makes me want the pin. I just I've enjoyed the layout. I think that's the attraction a lot of people have for Metallica is they enjoy the layout and the rules. Not that it's per se Metallica, but. Uh, this definitely, I think, if you are a GNR fan, there's a lot to like about just the way this whole thing looks. Whereas I could see maybe someone who is a fan of another band like Beatles, for example, that might say, I don't like how that pin looks. I think it'd be really hard not to like how this looks as a package. Oh, yeah. I think it's, no, be- I think it's JJP's best. I think this is Trump Hobbit and is their best looking uh, artistic assembly overall. Yeah, no, I, I will agree with you on that. It is simply beautiful. I I, I am deeply uh, happy with how they went with the art package and the way everything ties together. And I, I think that is amazing. And that is the type of thing that JJP has been blowing everybody else out of the water with over the last few years is theme integration light shows and the actual looks of the game i just want their games to be as fun as they look mm. oh and i so, don't know so this say we all be i've i've not as i said i've not played this game but remember i don't like how wonka looks uh i think the art package on wonka is terrible but i also think wonka is their second best playing game mm-hmm. uh and hobbit Looks amazing. Hate how it plays. It's just, this seems to be an issue with JJP where they're hitting pretty consistently how things look, but not being a great player or something will play decent, but they'll miss on the looks. They need to get, if they can bring both together, I think they'll have a great pin. (laughs) 
Do you think maybe it's not possible that maybe to fully capture a world under glass with sculpts to make, like in this case, a game that, that very much wants to look like a stage show that making it look like a stage essentially mandates that you compromise its playability as a pinball machine? I think it's a very real possibility that that, that, that is an issue that we might be locked down, uh, because there are too many concessions that have to be made to get the looks and the theme integration to maintain the same amount of enjoyment in the actual game. Let me ask you a, a theme and asset question, because I this clearly, we're, we're talking, they've got narration from a couple of band members. All of the band members currently in Guns N' Roses did call-outs for the game. You had the heavy involvement of Slash. There's a story, which I, I don't know if you've heard it or not, but for those on our listeners who had not, apparently, uh, you know, one of the songs in here is Live and Let Die, which is a Paul McCartney song. Uh, people may know it from the James Bond film when it was performed by Paul McCartney in Wings. And Guns N' Roses has that as part of their stage show, but it's not their song. It's Paul's song. And when JJP was working on this, because it's such an integral part of the tour, and there's a big light show that goes with it. And, and of course, it's an awesome song. It's one of my favorites. Uh, they, they really wanted it, but they reached out to the record label. They reached out to Paul McCartney and no one would answer them. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And so when Slash was there talking with them, helping them with the game at one point, they mentioned that they wished they could have Live and Let Die in the game. And Slash goes, Oh, I'll just call Paul. And he called Paul McCartney and they got the song. It was, it was handled immediately handled. And my point of that is because of Slash caring so much about this, he brought, he brought all these assets along with him because he can just say, I want this to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I know all these people. So when we think about next games like Sto Toy Story and such, my long winded tale here is to ask you, Tony, do you think that in a way, ironically, that JJP might be in a bit of a bind? In the sense that there is no way that whatever they, whatever game they do next is going to have the assets that this did, because there'll never be another instance where they have a slash that will pull every string and get them every piece of content they might dream of. I think that's entirely possible, and I think definitely with Toy Story, there's not going to be be any way. Disney is notorious with asset control, and I believe it's to the detriment of a lot of the games that have come out with their ties into their IPs, uh, that their at level of asset control actually hurts it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I can't say that this is bad because this level asset integration is definitely part of what's going to help make people want to buy Guns N' Roses. But in a way, it makes me a little sad because... There are so many other themes that are more attractive than Guns N' Roses, but now Guns N' Roses, Guns N' Roses is the new Hobbit. It's what everyone's going to compare to. And I blame, in a, in a good way, I blame Hobbit for why so many people take things like Stern's Jurassic Park and say, why can't you have all the movie assets? Hobbit had them. You know, so, like Hobbit was the thing that had a whole bunch of assets in it that felt like you weren't, uh, or pirates, JJP pirates. Why is it always just these like random boat shots? It feels like we're not actually in the movies, unlike Hobbit, which is great. And maybe that was because Hobbit had a dragon. It was easy to use the dragon or what? It doesn't matter. But people felt like Hobbit was like they got all the assets they needed for Hobbit. Right. 
And I think that's the big thing is if you can get the right assets, even if you can't get all of the assets, if you can get the right assets. And I think the important thing is knowing what are the right assets. Uh, like aliens not having Sigourney Weaver was a problem. Yeah, at least for me. I know some people I, were okay with it. I know some people like that Jurassic Park tells a different not movie, not novel story. Well, I think and I think that's that's fine, but I think with like specifically with Highway and Aliens, if you couldn't get Sigourney Weaver, you needed to tell a story that wasn't trying to retell those two movies without Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a good point. And I mean, and for my part with Stern's Jurassic Park, uh I wanted the movie assets. And if I couldn't have the movie assets, I wanted more than just Nedry's voice. Yeah. Like, I hear the wannabe Samuel L. Jackson and I just cringe. Yeah. That's Yeah, that is definitely you get a point where it's better to not bring in the 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 wannabe to not get the uh imitator and to just go with just go a different route. Yeah, whole whole new character. I mean then you have something like Guns N' Roses where it's like, no, you have the actual people doing the actual stuff. It's like it's the perfect asset integration. It's the world under glass. Well, that's all I had for Guns N' Roses, unless you wanted to bring up any elements. No, I mean, this is where we run into the issue of having not actually played it. I'm not willing to really give thoughts, because until I flipped it, I don't know how well I'm going to like it, other than the fact that it's beautiful. I will, while we're in pinball, I will talk a little bit about my very sad pinball thing. <gasps> Tell us the sad pinball. We're now in segment three. Sad pinball. Sad pinball things. I went ahead and pulled the trigger yesterday, and I deleted all of my reoccurring pinball tournament notices because they were no. just too depressing to see keep popping up. <laughs> now, now Kansas City competitive pinball is hashtag dead to you. It's not well. Hashtag I mean, dead to you. It is dead to me. But it's kind of dead to everybody right now. That's true. Uh, uh, we'll see. It'll come back. Maybe just, next I, year? I just keep getting these notifications. It's like, oh, any if this wasn't 2020, I, I, I'd be on my way to Pizza West to eat yummy foods and play pinball right now with all of my friends. And instead, I'm laying here at home watching stuff and just being sad. Yeah, I was just thinking earlier this week. Uh, it was like it was so different because uh, I hadn't been reading. I pull out Dune and start reading the book, and I was like, "Well, at least this is different than what I've been doing." Yeah, <laughs> it's like I've just been in this rut of just okay. I'm gonna go to this. I'll let what? Well, I'm gonna go to the grocery store and pick up food for the week. I'm gonna sit here and do. And then, of course, what interrupted my reading on Saturday? Work. Of course, I mean because that's what- work. It is that there, 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 there's work and there is, uh, resting. So you're ready to go back to work. That's that, that, that's where we're at right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so but yeah, we, we make do with what we can. Speaking of making do, uh, let's go ahead and go to the video game segment. It's going to be a short episode. We told people that. So, yep. It's going to be short. Uh, I've only got like one or two two things to talk about overall, and I've only got one written down, so... Well, what do you uh, want to talk about first? 
let's go ahead and hit the first, which is is the uh, VR, the Oculus Quest Two. Uh, VR is out. That's the wireless VR from Oculus. Who is yeah? You know, you've, you've been or, exploring uh, VR. I have been. I've been exploring VR. I've been looking at it. I've been trying to decide what's the right amount of money to spend. Honestly, the Quest Two is probably the right amount of money to spend. Uh, it just because it's two ninety nine, okay, uh, for a wireless thing, and all the other ones I've been looking at that I'm happy with are all going to run me like a thousand dollars. Hmm. Now that's quite a gap. Yeah. Well, then you run, but the problem that runs in the issues is all the others are designed for heavy work with PC, and the Quest Two is uh, wireless, and it's a bit more. Uh, less PC required. It's aimed at a, a different demographic. Uh, but my issues with it are the fact that A, it requires it to be signed into your Facebook. Uh, but you have a Facebook. But I have a Facebook, so that's okay. Also, the fact that some people, have, when they've been hooking their Quest 2s up, have been getting permabanned from Facebook. <gasps> and How? How could Mark do this to us? Who no. The algorithm has something wrong and it causes a problem. Oh, no. A permaban problem. That's a pretty big problem. <laughs> that is a pretty big problem. Though it is apparently fixable. Uh, they've been telling people if it happens to get in contact with them and it can be fixed. So it's not uh, so perma-permaban. It's not a perma-permaban. It just tells you it's a permaban. Oh, it okay. says it's already been reviewed and, and you're done and gone. So... Fake news. <laughs> fake, fake news. You're fake. Your your VR is not the reality. In here, there is no COVID. <laughs> so we're uh uh yeah. Well, I'm gonna. So you're gonna wait and research. see if that all gets sorted out. I'm gonna see making, how this sorts out. I, makes sense. I've I've very much over the last several years moved away from being uh a day one purchaser of almost everything, uh, but especially hardware, at least with games and software, it's a lot easier for uh, issues to be patched out and fixed than having a hardware problem. So I normally like to wait when it comes to hardware until you're seeing like the second run through the factory to be sure that any issues are fixed. Mm. Um, I kind of did the same thing with the Switch, the Nintendo Switch. I didn't get a Switch at launch. My I got my Switch uh, when the second wave of Switches were coming out. So uh, part of it, like I said, is just not wanting to fight everything. And with video game consoles, a lot of times it has to do with the fact that there's not any games that first day to be worth playing anyway. Right. Uh, but we'll see. I'm going to keep my research up. I'll probably make a decision by the end of the year, one way or the other. We'll call um, it VR Watch. It'll be its own segment. VR Watch. We'll, we'll do our whole, whole, whole own segment for it. Uh, <laughs> one of the other things I was going to toss in out here, it's not really important, but I just thought it was interested, is... Um, Cyberpunk 2077, we're 
what, three weeks out from it now, I think? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, supposedly, uh, the tabletop role-playing game that it is based on is getting, is launching a new version, uh, around the same time 2077 goes live. Uh, maybe. So people who want to do a tabletop version of it will be able to get everything and run it, run their own tabletop versions. Oh, I know it's all cute and nice. Uh, other than that, the only big things we have is we're still, we're in the final lead up to the releases of the new consoles. Um, they're just talking themselves up a lot. There's not been anything huge. Uh, PlayStation and Sony did a talk about their backwards compatibility, which is set at like 99%. There's only supposed to be like 10 games that aren't playable at all. That's pretty good. Though a lot of the other ones are, there might not be any improvements over playing them on your PS4 uh, for some of them, but a lot of them are supposed to at least load faster, if not having some other uh, enhancements. And some of the games, especially later ones, are supposed to have a decent amount of enhancement capability for at least frame rate and graphics. There, a lot of them will jump up some. Uh, Xbox also, there we're talking about their final list of launch titles, which are which is um kind of weak. Yep, <laughs> kind is being generous. I mean, it's it's basically. It's basically all Xbox One games. Um, there's a few, but they don't have... Neither system really seems to have... There's always been that big launch title. Nothing, neither system really seems to have that this year, this time around, that I can... That I've really picked up on. Uh, yeah. It just, does, it just doesn't exist. Uh, Xbox was gonna have it with Halo, but... With Halo pushed, then there's nothing. They just, yeah. We will see where those end up. And the last thing is the normal, or what is becoming the normal, uh, postseason of uh, the Overwatch League. All the teams release all the peoples. Oh, yes. I, I went through a list yesterday of the latest free agents versus retirements. Holy cow. Uh, uh, yeah. I guess there are a few teams that didn't totally free agent everyone, but like Dallas released their entire squad. Yeah, I think there are, there are a couple teams that released like all but one person. <laughs> and it's been... It, it, I've been watching them hit over the course of the last week or so, all the announcements and all the new looking for teams and stuff. And it's like, wow, <laughs> that was rough. Cause what are we uh, looking at here? Yeah. Uh, fewer than I thought though, announced shifts to Valorant. Yeah. Though I did see, uh, Gamsu retired. Yeah. He's going to go back to league. Yeah. And, uh, Saya player retired, went Valorant. Uh, Unko went Valorant. That was known to be happening. AKM, AKM went. Yeah, they haven't been. They didn't even play all season though. That was those were givens. They were just getting free money. Yeah, 
<laughs> and which just comes is is Valorant is Valorant's esport section even a thing yet? I, you know, I think it's a gambit. I don't think so. Is I was gonna say, is Valorant even a thing right now? I remember there was the big, the big launch, the big uh, early access stuff where people yeah, talked about it, and you the watched hype was it. huge in the beta. Yeah, but there's really not been anything other than oh, I'm going to Valorant. Uh, when it comes to this, I mean, this is, it's not like you're seeing Valorant real high up in Twitch or anything. No, I've actually heard a lot of people say they don't think it's nearly as watchable. But yeah. yeah it well, yeah, it's no Among game. Us, so. Oh, yeah. Whoa, I've got this awesome game. It can do 120 frames per second uh, at 4K. What are you going to play with it? Among Us. Yep. <laughs> I, I saw one where somebody posted a picture the other day they had one of those ultra wide monitors and they were playing among us and it was one of those <laughs> like awesome. like That's 40 awesome. inch ultra wide super high freaking 4k hyper monitors that are like three thousand dollars they're playing among us you know here's the thing i've been watching the crud out of among us on twitch for the last couple weeks it's one of those things where i'll fire it up and only half pay attention to it because it's just if you can if you you watch the right people it's just so darn funny to watch and i've still i've not played the game both of my daughters have played the game they play it a fairly large amount actually but it is just it's humorous to see such a game get so high and so popular and run for so long. And it's like there are whole streamers who've been entirely made by this little Among Us game. People who had like, uh, one of the guys I've been watching pretty frequently, he's like, yeah, I had 300 subscribers until I started playing Among Us. And now I've got 400,000 subscribers. Wow. <laughs> it's like, well, congratulations. You made it until this fad dies. Yes. <laughs> but cash in while you can. It's like cash in while you can, keep working the day job, and <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Video games is weird. Mm-hmm. Yo. <laughs> well, you know what else is weird is we're done. We're done, and this is probably not our shortest episode ever that had, but it's probably one of our shortest episodes ever where both of us were present. That's true. Maybe people will like it. Maybe they like the new short format. Maybe. It all depends on the topics. But Yeah, I, 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 I mean, there just wasn't a lot going on. I mean, we could have done some real weird deep divey stuff on, on squadrons or on some of the other stuff, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I find it weird to do that kind of generalized talk about something. I mean, a review is one thing, but just some of that deep dive stuff, like there's some people I follow on YouTube who they'll do deep dive where they'll spend like two hours talking about a 30 minute episode of TV. Mm. And it's like, how do you do that? Yeah, I I, I can see how to do 
a dive like that. My only issue is like if so for like squadrons, for example, it becomes how many of the listeners are playing squadrons? Because if they weren't, I would think that that would be kind of suck. Yeah. I mean, pinball's narrow enough that most of the time when we talk about pinball game, we know everyone's aware of that particular game. Video games is a lot trickier because there's so much more output. Right. Speaking of output, though, if you want us to do deep dives or let us know what you'd like us to talk about. By the way, the reason why I haven't done any more build events is when Facebook changed the format, we can't do the polls anymore. And I don't want to do a third-party poll. Oh, I uh, didn't realize they'd done that. Yep, yep. So that's why I haven't continued it. Um, but anyway, you can reach out to us at collectedgamerspodcast at gmail.com if you want to tell us what you'd like to see or message us at facebook.com slash podcast. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And uh, we will plan to be back in a couple weeks. I don't know if we'll have a guest yet or not. I've reached out to a couple people to see if maybe they'd be interested, but I didn't have, do not have dates set. So we will wait and see. But until then, I am Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.